gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. That's right, it's Joe Mullinax. I know you guys have missed me so much. Uh, Parker Fleming has done a remarkable job in my absence, helping not just run the blog, but also run this podcast. But Coach Mullinax's season, unfortunately, came to a tragic end this past Friday. So uh, Blogger Mullinax is back, and uh, in the next week or so, it's going to be in full effect. And we're going to be... Pretty uh, pretty busy over at grizzlybearblues.com as the Memphis Grizzlies, of course, are in the middle of a heated playoff race, which was very evident if you watched that game on ESPN against the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday night. As I know, Parker Fleming, you didn't watch it in uh, on ESPN, excuse me, but you watched it in person, buddy, uh, covering for us over at grizzlybearblues.com. By all means, Parker, associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com, tell us what the vibe was like in the building. Uh, it, 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 that was definitely a game that deserved a big crowd. It was a big game. It was a big time thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't end the way the Grizzlies wanted it to, but it, it's good to have you back on. It's good to be back on the show with you, Parker. And we can just kind of lead off with, you know, obviously Memphis, uh, that one had to sting a little bit the way that it ended, but it was cool to see them compete at that level. It had a playoff vibe. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. You know, thank you for trusting me with your, your podcast child. I mean, over the past uh, football season, I've gotten to talk to Jeff Calkins of the Daily Memphian, Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal, and we've even had Sean McDermott, Memphis Grizzlies two-way player on the pod as well, so it's been really fun. Thank you for trusting me there. But no, man, the vibe was just awesome. I mean, even though they lost, like, well, for one, you could just feel the entire arena just kind of like collapse. Granted, there was a little bit more Dallas fans than I think I've seen since prime Dirk years but it, the angle that i took this morning on the long view just because i didn't want to focus on the negatives just we get to watch these two teams compete against each other four times a year and potentially playoff series for the next decade and that's spearheaded by the fantastic talents of john morant and luka Doncic, and you know it's it's just a great time in my opinion to be an nba fan just because there's so much young talent around the league and last night was just absolutely evident of that it was pretty remarkable to say the least and another gentleman that i know that uh has been in the mix been there covering the grizzlies a pretty consistent amount this season is the still says interim grizzlies reporter i feel like that that interim tag probably needs to be taken off at some point uh, but he covers Memphis football for the commercial appeal. He covers the Grizzlies for the commercial appeal as well. His name is Evan Barnes at Evan underscore B. I promise Evan's not in a wind tunnel. He's uh, he's traveling through uh, uh, via vehicle, uh, via his car. So uh, a little bit of feedback there, Evan, just as a heads up. But um, uh, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a very busy man, and, and uh, it's it's a crazy time to be doing your line of work. And I still can't believe they haven't found somebody to do one of the two jobs you have to do, Evan. I have said to people that the best thing you can do is just, you know, wish me well, and hopefully the company will make a decision soon. Because <laughs> I, I just got hit up by David Cobb the other day that I've been doing this now longer than he was doing it. So, right. Um, there we there we have it. So, but um, I am happy. You know, it's 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 been a heck of a season. It's going to be a heck of a month. But, you know, I think like, like Parker said, I think we're also kind of like, you know, thinking about last night, really. And hopefully being in my car isn't going to take away the, uh, the good comments we're going to have talking about it. Because that game and what you guys are going to talk about is going to be a lot to kind of uh, reflect on for a little bit. 
Yeah, we're, this is going to be an interesting conversation, and hopefully it sparks some debate, not just on Twitter, uh, but on over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, thanks to Evan for taking the time. And, you know, he's one of the hardest working folks there in Memphis media. Commercial appeal, if you're listening, help the guy out. You know, one or the other. Make him the <laughs> Grizzlies reporter. Find somebody else to do it. Uh, he definitely deserves to do one of those two things, but doing two uh, is a little too much. Um, but shout out to Evan. We're excited to have him on the show. Ways to get in touch with the program. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. You can follow my co-host Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at GBB Live. And, of course, you can follow the blog that we're fortunate enough to work with, grizzlybearblues.com, part of the SB Nation network, at SBN Grizzlies. And you can follow our friend Evan at Evan underscore B. Again, he's the Grizzlies. It says interim, but he's he's the Grizzlies reporter. Until the commercial appeal decides otherwise, uh, again, at Evan underscore B. Ways to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart. Pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, uh, you can find the GBB Podcast Network. Of course, GBB Live being the flagship here going into year eight as a show. We have the core four, three and D and the starting five as well, all part of the GBB Podcast Network family. Uh, Evan, I got Parker's take, and I really liked his long view. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. His, his long view Thursday morning, as I was reading it and editing it, I really enjoyed it because he prioritized, and he mentioned there a moment ago, he prioritized the idea of how great this rivalry could be. Because a lot of times, it's very natural to go gravitate towards the Pelicans, right? Because the Zion jaw dynamic, there's some geographical sense there. Uh, the Pelicans being that next great Grizzlies rival, that, that logically makes sense to me. But at the same time, I see Dallas being in that spot because at this point, aside from, you know, the individual matchups, you put that stuff kind of aside for the moment, the Pelicans have the Grizzlies number when they play one-on-one, but the Pelicans are wildly inconsistent outside of their matchups against Memphis, it seems. Uh, So to me, the game that we saw against the Mavericks, that was a playoff atmosphere type of game. That was a game that, you know, came down to a star player making a hell of a shot. And it was remarkable to see how the Grizzlies responded, how they competed. It wasn't a crystal clean game played by Memphis, but it was one of those games that, you know, even in the height of the grit and grind era, there were times, obviously, that Mark and Mike and Zach and Tony, that those guys didn't play crystal clean games. And it was still really competitive, fun to watch. And even in a loss, you could say, wow, that was a good basketball game. I think that's what Memphis got, and it still stings talking about it, but being there in person, covering the team, seeing how they're growing, Evan, your overall takeaway from that showdown. And, and are you like me? Like, I, I know we want the Pelicans and the Grizzlies to be a thing, but right now I think the Grizzlies are more like the Mavericks than they are the Pelicans. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I never thought of the Mavericks as kind of a rival in a sense because, you know, it, it just never – one, I think the interactions on Twitter made, like, New Orleans and Atlanta a little bit more attractive. But I never thought of it that way, I guess, just because it just never it never crossed my mind. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a chance. Like, it's, it's, it's funny with the Mavericks because, like, I guess I see them as, like, a different type of team than the Grizzlies because they have been to the playoffs. Luka, obviously, is an all-NBA caliber player, and he's already at a level where even the most cynical of us a few years ago when he was drafted are marveling and like, wow, this guy is exactly what people said he'd be. Um, but – I do think, though, that, you know, there's a chance that this could happen. Like, 
Dallas, of course, geographically is not that far from Memphis. Um, you have two really good young teams. Obviously, Taylor Jenkins has roots in Dallas being from that area. Um, so there's things that could make this a rivalry, but it also is a very, you know, intriguing way to maybe look at kind of how Dallas has done it over the last few years as maybe a template for like, okay, the Grizzlies, you know, get in the playoffs as like one of the lower seeds, you know, put up some fights, struggle a little bit, and then, you know, make that move maybe into like a hopeful, you know, a better seeding in like two or three years. But um, I don't know. You guys maybe think about it. It could happen. So, I mean, I don't know. But I'd say right now it's maybe a little too soon to say, although they have beaten Dallas. They did beat Dallas last year, although Luka didn't play in that game in Dallas. The Mavs have beaten them twice now. So I guess there needs to be another win where these teams are sort of at full strength where we can call this a sort of rivalry, I think. That's fair. I definitely can see that. And I'm more – I see them in that way more because, like I said, I think Memphis solidly in that eight seed right now. The Pelicans are pretty firmly behind. The Grizzlies were in the play-in mix more than the Pelicans were there towards the end So uh, in the bubble. So that, that's my perspective. I feel like Memphis, in terms of trajectory, they're closer to Dallas than they are to the Pelicans. Obviously, Zion's phenomenal. And again, I, I want to stress New Orleans obviously kicks the tar out of the Grizzlies just about every time they play. But at the same time, beyond that individual matchup, Memphis is having more team success than the Pelicans are. I just see them more in line with with Dallas. And and maybe folks will disagree with that if they listen to this, or maybe they'll agree. Very rarely do people agree with me, as Evan, you've certainly (laughs) learned uh, in your time. And Parker chuckles as he's already known that for a couple of years now. Speaking of things that I'm surely going to be disagreed on, the, the main meat and potatoes of this episode of GBB Live, I have summoned two of the very best Grizzlies minds out there, Evan Barnes and Parker Fleming, to join me in a ranking based off of the GBB Live question of the day. And I'm interested to see how these two gentlemen perceived the question and how they attack the rankings from that. Okay, Parker and I, and this has kind of been a drum I've been beating for a long time, and and Parker has taken it on a little bit. I'm fascinated with who's going to be on the next great Grizzlies team. Okay, because obviously they're not great right now. They're mediocre right now. That's what their record says they are. They're an average basketball team, and that's okay. We, we thought they would be below average. or Last season, they were below average, and we thought they'd be really bad. So they're overachieving still. I don't want to say this and make it sound like it's a negative, because it's not. But right now, they're a 500 basketball team. And they're going to be great eventually. I do believe that. I believe in this front office. I believe in the core pieces they put around John Morant. I think that they're going to be great. There's a lot of guys on this team that a year from now, or maybe not a lot of guys, there are several guys on this team that a year from now, in my opinion, are not going to be on this team. They're not going to be here. There's going to be some sort of trade. There's going to be some sort of move. Obviously, there's multiple contracts that are coming up, whether it's Grayson Allen's and restricted free agency, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson. You know, There are a lot of moving pieces on this roster over the next year to year and a half. So the question of the day, which of the following players has best helped his cause this season to be included on the next great Grizzlies team? So again, best helped his cause. That is broad intentionally. And I'm curious, and we'll start with this before we get into the rankings. I'll start with you here, Parker. When you saw the question of the day, which of the following players has best helped his cause this season to be included on the next great Grizzlies team? How did you interpret it? I interpreted it as in, which player from the start of the season to now has helped their case? Not the player that's played the best, 
not the player that I see most likely being on the team, is which player actually helped themselves from the start of this season to this season as far as like where we kind of prioritize them within the hierarchy of the Grizzlies and if they're on the next great Grizzlies team coming into this season to now. So I think mine is going to shock a lot of people, especially given some of the uh, some of the on-brand stuff I've posted on Twitter. Okay, fair enough. I think there's some there's some logic to that. What about you, Evan? When you saw the question of the day when I when I messaged you earlier today talking about what we're going to be discussing, how did you interpret that the the player that best helped his cause? I think it's a good question because I think these next 12 months, assuming that next season is going to be a normal season and it ends around this time of year, I think it's a fair question because this team is going to look radically different um, by the summer of 2022 than it looks right now. And it's going to really test this front office, you know, as much as they've been praised for their drafting and people like the development, um, it's really going to test this front office to see kind of what they can do to add pieces, you know, in free agency because that's where I think this team um, one, it's going to have to grow that way, but two, it's also going to have to grow by subtracting what's here and this group that has kind of laid this foundation for the Taylor Jenkins era. So um, I thought it was a good question, and actually it made me think a little bit more, but I kind of have an idea where I'm going with it. I have an idea too, and I, I'm just going to get the predictable one out of the way right now. We're going to start at four and work our way down to one. So four is the one who's done to l- the least the least to help their cause. And then number one is the one that has done the best. And uh, hilariously, unsurprisingly, my number four is the number one of our voters. Uh, Thanks to the about 140 folks that voted in the poll. uh, Jonas Valanciunas wins the poll at 39.1% as the player that has helped his cause the most. I want to stress that all four of them have had terrific seasons. Okay, and I'm not, you know, I've, I've gotten the vibe and the reputation for being a Jonas hater and a Grayson hater and, and all of these different things. I don't think that's entirely fair. I just perceive them in a way that is different from others. I see them in terms of their value being reserves and not necessarily as starters. And I lead off with Jonas Valanciunas, not because I think he's bad at basketball, because he's very clearly not bad at basketball. To me, my definition of the player that has helped this cause the most is that idea of growth. And Jonas Valanciunas has always been an elite rebounder. Looking at his rebounding rate percentages in terms of total rebound percentage, he is currently at his highest rate ever in his career, having a career year and total rebound percentage of 24.3%. But Jonas Valanciunas has had four seasons before this one where he was above 20% in total rebound percentage. So he's always been an elite rebounder, except for maybe his rookie season. He's having a very efficient shooting season um, in terms of his true shooting percentage. Again, I'm using basketballreference.com for this. True shooting percentage. He is at 62%, which is very good. That is a very respectable number. He's had three seasons before this one, including last season with the Grizzlies, where he shot better in terms of his true shooting percentage. So I, I feel like he's doing a lot of things well he is performing at a very high level for the Grizzlies. And you could certainly argue he's playing better than he ever has for Memphis. But I have not seen, in my opinion, that growth that says, hey, I am more than this rebounder. I am more than this scorer. Both things that are very important, 
But defensively, especially, the liability is still there, and it rears its ugly head at inopportune times. So Jonas is a very good basketball player. Parker, he's my number four because he's been a good basketball player. He was the number five pick in the draft years ago now. like He has been a good scorer and a good rebounder his entire career. He's doing those particular things at the most elite level he's ever done them, Parker, but that's still what he is. There's not much more to it than that. It's really good basketball, but is that something that can consistently be a part of what the Grizzlies are doing moving forward? I think that's an interesting question. Oh, yeah, for sure, and I, I have him at number four as well. And before the JV Hive comes at me on this one, I've always thought that within when you're talking about the next great Grizzlies team, I've always thought that Jonas Valanciunas can be that six-man bucket getter off the bench that plays 15 to 20 minutes, and he is going to absolutely destroy every second-unit bench big man in the NBA. I, I think he is a very valuable player. But like you said, he's doing a lot of the same things that he's done his entire career, and that still made him a very good player. But I also think his production is a bit amplified, I guess more in the scoring realm, because he's having to do more without Jaron Jackson Jr. in the lineup. I mean, just saying the Grizzlies lost 17, 18 points a game when Jaron Jackson Jr. went down. Hell, if you want to bring up the bubble, they lost 25 points with him down. So you got to make up for that in different areas, and I think Jonas has benefited, but also Jonas has been good. The thing is, I just don't think this season has really changed my mind as far as uh, where I see him on the next great Grizzlies team because it's either A, as that six-man de facto, B, the starting center but closing off the bench, kind of like a glorified uh, Kendrick Perkins in OKC or Andrew Bogut in Golden State kind of thing, C or C, a trade chip. And nothing's really changed my mind because I think one of the biggest things that you're very loud about is his drop coverage. It is only strengthened my case that I think Jaron Jackson Jr. needs to be the five of the future going forward. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you here, but I don't want the JV Hive to attack me because I actually really do think he's a great player and I think that he is valuable in today's NBA. I think he's good too. I think he's good too. Evan Barnes, I know maybe you don't believe me, Evan. I believe Jonas Valanciunas is good, and I believe that he's been good for this Grizzlies team, especially for the reason that Parker just outlined about Jaron Jackson Jr. not being there. He has filled that void, especially as a scorer, so well. But he's predictable defensively, Evan. You know it's going to be drop coverage. There's no variation. There's no malleable uh, capacity within the scheme when he's at the five, and I think that's part, uh, especially when it comes to him playing alongside John Morant, who has had issues defensively this year as well. It just the predictability and the fact that that's not going to change. That's why I have Jonas at number four. Who do you have at number four, Evan? All right. So I'm going to disagree with both of y'all. Um, I have Jonas later in the discussion. <laughs> I will just say that. Jonas will be later in the discussion. But my number four is actually Kyle Anderson. And um, I'll just get to Kyle at this point. Because, again, like you said, I think all four of these dudes have had great seasons. They've made great strides they've all improved if you're looking at the most improved player on these teams all four of these guys are certainly in the conversation um and again it, this is more of the case of somebody's got to be for it you know and i think with kyle you obviously look at what he's done how he's improved as a shooter how he's gotten more comfortable with his role how he's really um you know found a niche in that you know starting you know three four role a little bit 
you could say. But this isn't more a case of, like, what he's done wrong. It's more of I think the three guys I have above him have done a little bit more to have a role on the future Grizzlies than he has. So um, that's kind of where I see with Kyle. Obviously, you have another great passer, another great, you know, defender on the perimeter who, again, this team could, you know, could use more of those off course. But I think the three guys who I have above him have done just a little bit more thinking about where this team could go than Kyle. And remember, if I'm not mistaken, Kyle wasn't starting last season when Jay Crowder was here. Kyle was just starting lineup after Jay Crowder was traded. So there's always there's, there's already kind of been an indication of, like, okay, he's earned that starting job. He was in conversations as, you know, the most improved player on this team. But when this thing started, Jay Crowder was ahead of him for a reason. And now, granted, Jay Crowder has become a productive player in Phoenix. Kyle has become a much different player now. But, you know, again, I think the three guys I have ahead of him have done a little bit more to fill up by their place here going forward. I have Kyle Anderson at number three, and, and I agree with just about everything that you just said. Kyle Anderson is my number three for pretty much everything that you just stated and described. I can't, I mean, I don't appreciate you bringing up Jay Crowder on my podcast, Evan. That's just, <laughs> you're, you're, you're purposely trying to, to trigger me, and I, I, I'm not a fan of that, Evan Barnes. But let's, let's I, just say, I, Joe, like, let's, Joe, let's just say that before I got the job, I didn't realize that there was a lot of, like, angst against Jay Crowder until I got the beat and was like, oh, there is an anti-Jay Crowder hive. I didn't notice because I see him, and I'm like, hey, good bet. Guys, people respect. I like him, man. I found that Joe. You're like, ooh, yeah. I'm I'm the president of that hive. Definitely the president of that <laughs> hive. Um, that's a fact. No, no denying that. Um, so, and and you're right. That Jay Crowder is a good veteran, and he went to Miami and had a great run. He just shot 29.3 percent from three for the Memphis Grizzlies and took shots away from Jaron Jackson Jr. You did it on purpose, Evan. I'm angry now, but I'm going to calm down, center myself. Uh, Kyle Anderson is a player who, again. Three-point shooting has improved. There's no denying that. He's a malleable defender, unlike Jonas Valanciunas. But everything you just outlined is exactly right. And assuming that Taylor Jenkins is going to be here for a while, there is already evidence to suggest that Kyle Anderson is not the guy for him necessarily long-term. So I have Kyle Anderson number three, a little bit ahead of Jonas Valanciunas. I'm not mad at Kyle at four at all for you. Kyle's at number three for me. Who's at number three for you, Parker? So... This is going to sound very brain here, but I'm going to have Grayson number three. And this is my spin on it, though. I think Grayson has helped himself not only make a claim and being on the next great Grizzlies team, but I also think that because of the DeAnthony Melton contract and how it's structured and how Desmond Bain's rookie contract is structured as well, I think Grayson's going to get priced out in 2022. I think with the performance, he's—I mean—he's showing that he could be a high-volume 40% three-point shooter. Uh, I'm looking at this list right now, and granted, it's nitpicking, but he's only one of 30 players in the league that qualify for the three-point leadership dashboard, who is ma- making at least two threes a game while shooting 40%. And almost all those guys are either at or above the mid-level exception. Some of them are max players but that's for different reasons entirely but I, I think Grayson's actually making a case to be like making like mid-level money in his next contract and like I've compared it to uh, JJ Redick and Joe Harris his career trajectory as well and those guys made mid-level at their next contracts I think Joe Harris actually made a little higher uh, but 
Yeah, I have Grayson three just because I think he gets priced out because there's going to be different decisions that they're going to have to make a year from now. That's interesting, Parker. That is a bit of an upset that you have him low on this list. What about you, Evan? Who's your number three? You had Kyle Anderson number four. Who's number three for you? Grayson Allen. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Unified there we course. go. There we yeah, go. I mean, and again, Parker made a great, great argument for Grayson, I think, um, as far as what he's done, but he also made a great argument why I think his role is tricky because I've been believing that with the wing situation, if you look at DeAnthony Melton and Grayson Allen, the one thing I keep coming back to is both of them have shot the ball really well. Both of them are versatile enough where they can, you know, do a little bit more than just the one thing they're really good at. But for me, where I look at Grayson Allen is, yes, he has been a very capable defender. Um, and, yes, he can shoot the, the mess out of the ball and he can score. Um, but I do think that if you're looking around the, the, the team, there's a guy on the team who can do – who if, if he keeps the shooting up, he can fill the same role that Grayson Allen has and give you much better defense and can do a little bit more on the court that's reliable um, in DeAnthony Melton. So um, – and also, again, I think, you know, Grayson Allen has definitely made himself more money in 2022 when he's a restricted free agent, if that option does come up. But I do think it's going to be really interesting how the Grizzlies decide what to do between him and Melton because you have two guys who play a similar role. They can shoot the three. Um, Grayson's a little bit more reliable in the starting lineup than Melton, um, but Melton obviously is a great defender. He impacts a lot of things. The analytics favor him with his net rating. Um, it's almost a case of, you know, and I've defended Grayson by saying that, you know, for people who are saying Melton should get more minutes, which I don't want to get into on this show because I know how you feel, Joe, when Grayson has been hurt and he's come back, Grayson does things like this where he scores six three-pointers or he, you know, has the game against Atlanta where he had that 18-point quarter. So it's almost not so much as um, I like Anthony Melton because obviously I am a big fan of his, but Grayson hasn't necessarily played himself out of certain things as well. So it's, it's tricky, but I do think, though, that Grayson, if, you, if you're choosing between Grayson or Melton, I'm going to choose the Edmond just for simply being younger and doing a little bit more. But again, Grayson being three is not a reflection of how bad he's playing either. You know what I mean? Because he's not playing bad. I agree completely. I, I kind of resent the fact that you don't want to talk about the starting shooting guard on my podcast, Evan. I don't know why. I'm totally logical when it comes to that conversation. Not irrational at all. Um, no, but uh, I, I do think that you make fair points there, and, and I'm interested to see how this goes as we close out the show here in the next segment. When we come back, we're going to unveil our number two and number one players that we think have best helped their cause so far this season to be included on that next great Grizzlies team. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Mullinax. I'm joined by Parker Fleming, associate editor over at GBB, and our good friend, Mr. Evan Barnes, at Evan underscore B, over on Twitter. He is the interim Grizzlies reporter, but it shouldn't be interim anymore. Let's get it together, commercial appeal. Hire somebody else for the Memphis football program. Um, at or whichever one Evan wants to do, maybe I should leave that. Let Evan pick, and then you replace the other one. Uh, he's a busy man right now. We appreciate him taking some time to chat with us. And with that in mind, to best maximize your time, Evan, we're going to close out the show here. We're going to combine the last two, okay? So my number four and my number three were Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson, as you heard in the first segment. Parker, who were your number four and number three? And again, to remind our listeners, which of the following players has best helped his cause this season? 
to be included on the next great Grizzlies team, so they're not part of the big trade that a lot of people think is eventually going to happen. They should be here. Four means they're least likely to be in that mix, even though they've all had great seasons. And then number one will be the one that's helped themselves the most. For me, number four was Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Anderson. Parker, who were your four and three? Jonas Valanciunas and Grayson Allen. And then for you, Evan, they were? Kyle Anderson and Grayson Allen. Okay, so I'm going to do number two and number one at once, and I'm going to blow everybody's mind here. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm definitely going to blow Evan's mind. Number two is DeAnthony Melton, and number one is Grayson Allen. Okay? And here is why... Here is why I have that ranking, and it ties back to something that Evan talked about in the very first segment, okay? DeAnthony Melton, in my opinion, is better than Grayson Allen. And again, I want to stress, the way that I'm perceiving this is the player that's helped themselves the most, okay? The player that's helped themselves the most. It's not who's the best player. All four of them have had terrific seasons, including the guy that I put number four, Jonas Valanciunas, that everybody thinks I hate. Jonas has had a great year, okay? They've all been good. The question is, who has helped themselves the most? DeAnthony Melton has shown that he can be a consistent three-point threat, adding on to everything else that he already does well. He's helped himself tremendously. The reason I went Grayson Allen number one is because Grayson Allen is a better Jay Crowder. Grayson Allen does what Taylor Jenkins loved about Jay Crowder better than Jay Crowder ever did it. Grayson is extremely good at shooting threes, and you know what he's not afraid of doing? He's not afraid of shooting the three. Grayson Allen's three-point rate right now is an absurd .674. 67.4% of his shots are three-point shots. 67.4. The next closest guy on the Grizzlies that's played at least 1,000 minutes this season is Desmond Bain at 51.8%. So over two-thirds of the shots that Grayson Allen takes are threes. That's one of the reasons he loved playing Jay Crowder. Taylor Jenkins because he was willing to shoot the three and the phrase that I hate people saying gravity that Parker shouted me out in an article recently. He doesn't use gravity anymore because his boss doesn't like it. Good job, Parker. Gravity. You want to talk about gravity? Grayson Allen has gravity right now. He is shooting an absurd amount of threes and he's making them at an absurd rate considering his volume. He also doesn't defend and foul. And that's something else that Jay Crowder was really good at. That's a frustrating infliction point for Dylan Brooks still. Dylan has gotten better at it, but he's not what he should be. Grayson Allen defends somewhat well. Chris Harrington made a good point on the radio recently talking about how you can sometimes confuse effort for execution with Grayson. And I think that's fair. I do think people make that mistake. But Grayson is a solid defender. He does exactly what he wants him to do on both ends of the floor. And I think that Taylor Jenkins would sit in a room with Zach Kleiman and that brain trust and say, Grayson Allen does what I need him to do. I need him on this team. I see Grayson in that way. I see Grayson as somebody that is very valuable, extremely important, and to, to Taylor Jenkins in particular, and that's why I have Grayson Allen number one on this list in terms of who's helped themselves the most because he's shown that he can be what Jay Crowder, what he wanted Jay Crowder to be, he can be. So, Parker, that's my list. I've got DeAnthony Melton number two. I've got Grayson Allen number one. What do you say? So I have DeAnthony Melton number two, and I have Kyle Anderson number one. And so I'm going to start with DeAnthony Melton. Obviously, that's going to be the easiest one. Obviously, the guy that signed a four-year deal on mid-level money is going to be a part of the future going forward because, let's be real, DeAnthony Melton's already showing that he's an absolute bargain at $7 million a year. And not only that, but he's only 22 years old. So you're only paying $7 million for somebody to develop and produce and potentially 
potentially just outplay his contract. I mean, something I think he's already kind of doing right now. And I think this season in particular, with his evolution as a pull-up shooter, a three-point shooter, and just an overall scoring weapon, I really think there could be this dynamic down the road, kind of similar to like a Lowry and Van Fleet kind of thing. Granted, not at the same level. That's a NBA Finals backcourt. But, I mean, you can have a situation where D'Anthony's starting next to Ja at the two, but also taking on those backup point guard minutes. And next thing you know, you're not playing a single minute without uh, John Morant or D'Anthony Melton off the court. And I, I just think that's valuable. I think his ceiling is exponentially rose because of his evolution as a live dribble creator, both the, in the form of a shooter and a passer. But I'll get to Kyle Anderson real quick. Let's be absolutely real. I, I don't think you can find enough articles on Grizzly Bear Blues from like June to November suggesting that Kyle Anderson was going to be the odd man out and that he would probably be thrown into some trades because he was signed by the last front office and it looked like he wasn't fitting. I mean, I was talking with Anthony Sam on the phone yesterday and I was reminding people that Kyle Anderson was playing behind Solomon Hill before Hill got traded. Not only was he playing behind Jay Crowder, like Evan said, but he was playing behind Solomon Hill. And now he's added that three-point weapon to his bag and it's just instilled confidence in every facet of his game. And, you know, I know, Joe, you like throwing this lineup out there, but I can realistically see Kyle Anderson start next to Jaron Jackson Jr. as a 4-5 combo down the road because Kyle Anderson does what Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't do well, and that's rebounding. Now he can actually space the floor a little bit, particularly with, like, corner threes or above-the-break threes as well. And I, I really think we can foresee a scenario, especially with the health of Winslow right now, that in the 2022 offseason, they're going to be choosing between Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow. That's how good Kyle Anderson has been this season. And I, I just think there's no player from the start of this season to now that has helped their case and being part of the next great Grizzlies team than Kyle Anderson. You're not wrong. Those are really good points, Parker. I don't disagree with you. And, and I'm one of the ones who thought Kyle Anderson would be in that mix to be traded. That's 100% correct. Evan, I'm curious, as you hear me say Grayson Allen, which probably blew your mind, and DeAnthony Melton, number two for both me and Parker. Essentially, Parker and I just had Kyle and Grayson flipped. We both had Jonas four, both had Melton two. Uh, I hear what he's saying about Kyle Anderson. I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just think that because of all the reasons that he outlined, I could see Kyle falling just as back in case Kyle regresses back to the mean in terms of being a three-point shooter. Uh, I guess I'm curious now, because you said in the first segment that you're going to talk about Jonas later. It's officially later, Evan Barnes. Let's get your number two and number one. All right. So my number two <clears throat> is Jonas. My number one is DeAnthony Melton. Where should I begin? With Jonas? I'd say Jonas is a good place to start, especially since I'm, I'm such a berater of him. All right. And here's the <laughs> thing. Here's my thing with Jonas. And this is where I understand that modern basketball, as I love to call it, is drifting away from like old school post players because they're immobile and all that stuff. And you want guys who can do a little bit more and stretch the floor. I totally understand that. But these last few games and really the last month and a half, has kind of reminded just kind of how valuable it is to have a big man who you can go to and say, all right, go get me a double-double, you know? And I think that's important because in the playoffs, you know, you need to have somebody who can just basically get you a bucket. Now, that's as good as three-point shooting is. The playoffs are always about what can you do in the half court to get a bucket 
that's reliable. And right now, I think Jonas has shown that he's been that kind of guy. Now, yes, there are issues with his defense. Yes, there are issues with you know him spreading the floor, spacing the floor. But what I wonder is if the Grizzlies can get enough shooters around Morant at the other three positions, and let's assume that John Morant improves as a three-point shooter, there's nothing wrong with having like a center who can own the paint, get you rebounds, and basically you know keep possessions in your favor than than Jonas. Because let's be honest, as much as Jaron Jackson Jr. is you know the future and has all these you know great attributes. His rebounding was a lot to be desired. Now, for me personally, that bothers me because I may be old school in this way, but if you're almost seven feet, you should be able to get more rebounds per game because that's just the nature of, of your size. You should be able to do that. Um, but I think if, if, if Jaron's going to be your stretch five and he's going to be a guy who's going to be on that perimeter, he's not going to be in the in the paint, you know, banging and getting rebounds the same way that, say, Brandon Clark has been doing when he's played that backup five role. So I think for me, Jonas, the way he's played this year, you could definitely see him having a role, you know, on the next great Grizzlies team, kind of like a Zach Randolph type of way. But I say that also knowing that the Grizzlies could possibly use him as trade bait and possibly, you know, find another option. But I do think there's an appreciation for Jonas now in the last month and a half that has um, been more evident and that should be here. Um, and number one, D'Anthony Melton, I mean – as we talk right now, I believe Melton is still top 10 in the league in three-point shooting percentage, which none of us would have foreseen last season. Um, we've seen him take a greater leap forward with his offense. I wrote about kind of how he improved his three-point shooting um, in the commercial appeal. But basically, him taking a leap as a shooter, I think, has really made him more valuable on this team than just being a guy who can just be a great defender, get you a bucket here, a timely stop here, rebound here the analytics darling. Now I think he's gone from being an analytics darling to somebody who you can see his value on the court more in more ways besides just his defense and all around, you know, a little bit here and there. I think the shooting, um, if it stays where it is for next year, then you're looking at somebody who clearly has a role in this team and why that contract is going to be, you know, favorable to see kind of what the Grizzlies do with it. So I, I think this is more praise of how D'Anthony Mellon has elevated his offense, elevated his ability to be on the court. And I will agree with you, Joe, that he should find a way to get more minutes, especially late in some of those games because he can be a great defensive player. We saw in that, I believe, the Nuggets game. You know, he had that double-double and he was so big in that game. Um, I think he has absolutely found a role, not just as like a, you know, Tony Allen, Bulldog defensive guy, but somebody who can be kind of a three and D guy, hopefully. And let's be honest, the Grizzlies can use more of those, you know, as you can get. So I think this is, is putting him at number one, again, is no shade to the guys I have in two through four. It's a praise of how Melton, who's already under contract for the next three years, how he's raised his game on offense to give you more than just a guy who can just be a very smart glue guy and defensive specialist. DeAnthony Melton, over his three seasons, uh, he has, by leaps and bounds, improved his productivity. Uh, just remarkable if you look at his advanced numbers uh, as a three-point shooter, as a facilitator of offense, as a player who contributes to winning basketball. You know, DeAnthony Melton, uh, it sounds like he's the guy that we're all in most unison over, that he's going to be here for the long term. Parker talked about his contract. Evan outlined his productivity a good bit there. Um, it, it's safe to say that D'Anthony Melton is going to be on this team. Maybe not as a starter, but he definitely needs to have a consistent role off the bench.
consistent minutes on a night-in, night-out basis. The contract's a great value. You could easily argue now, in my opinion, that that was the best contract signed in 2020 free agency was, was the D'Anthony Melton deal. And that's going to hold tremendous weight when that next great Grizzlies team comes. Oh, by the way, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Ja Morant will both be on their next contracts when that team is happening. So the cap sheet is going to look a lot different two or three years from now. And having Melton's nice low number on there is going to be extremely helpful. I'll get you guys out of here on this just out of curiosity. As we were recording this podcast, news came down from the almighty Woj himself that Zach Levine, the all-star guard for the Chicago Bulls, is entering the health and safety protocols of the NBA. That means he is not going to be available for the next several games. Friday night, the Memphis Grizzlies play the Chicago Bulls on the start of a season-long, correct me if I'm wrong on that, fellas. I know I've been away for a couple of months, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Season-long, seven-game road trip that is going to take them out west eventually. They won't be back in the friendly confines of FedEx Forum in front of Evan and Parker and the other media that attend the games until Wednesday, April 28th. So they start this very long road trip that could potentially define their season. Uh, I'm not sold on that idea that it will. They start it now with a Chicago team. Excuse me. They start it now with a Chicago team that is going to be without their best player. How important now that Levine is out, Parker, is it for them to start this road trip with a win, especially considering what happened against the Mavericks on Wednesday night? Or do you think that doesn't matter as much as it does that they just keep playing well? Um, obviously, I think it's important that they play well. You know, you know me, Joe. I'm pretty pretty positive person but i would say that even on the road like if the grizzlies somehow dropped this game against the bulls without zach levine and the bulls are they're struggling in their own right getting used to new pieces including uh arguably now their second best player with nikola vucevic i would think it's a bad loss like i'm not the kind that's like oh that's a bad loss but i think that would be a bad loss like almost as worse as the okc loss when they got bombed out by Pokuzetsky, like that. I don't even want to get into that, but no, nah, I think this road trip will be fine. I mean, we knew it's gonna be tough the entire time. Granted, it kind of eased due to the unfortunate injury to uh, Jamal Murray, but I mean, dude, a back to back where on the second half of the back to back, you're playing Milwaukee, you still got Denver who has Jokic and MPJ and uh, Aaron Gordon, Portland twice, and the Clippers. It's gonna be tough regardless, but I, I think. I know we'll definitely talk about this later, but that stretch after the road trip of games that they have like a week or two, I think can kind of ease the sting a little bit for uh, for whatever this road trip brings. It's going to be a difficult road trip, but I think you're exactly right. There is a stretch of games after that can kind of take the edge off. But considering it's a back-to-back with the Bucks on the second half, it does make the Chicago one a little more important. Evan, we'll get you out of here on this. Same question. They're entering a seven-game road trip. Zach Levine now out for Chicago. How do you perceive this game in terms of starting them as strongly as possible uh, on this long stretch that'll, again, it'll take them to Milwaukee, Denver, Los Angeles, and then a couple of games at Portland before they end with the Nuggets. So the, one of the best, uh, several of the best teams of the NBA on this trip. Oh, I would say they, they, this game goes from now a win that I thought they would get to a must win. They, they need to win this game. Uh, they, they need to win this game for simple fact that this road trip um, it would not surprise me if they go one and six on it. They will be underdogs <clears throat> in all six games after this game. Um, of course, pending any injuries, obviously Giannis with the Bucks has been, you know, 
out for a couple of games. So we'll see kind of what happens with, with his status. Um, but this game is a must win. I think the Grizzlies showed on, on Monday when they faced the Bulls that the Bulls are going to be a very formidable opponent. Um, but we also saw that the, the Bulls in the fourth quarter, why they've been one of the worst defensive fourth quarter teams um, in the league, if not the worst. So um, this game, I think, is going to be important for the Grizzlies to start on a good note just because what comes next is the back-to-back with Milwaukee, which is still going to be tough even if Giannis isn't at full strength. Then you got, you know, Portland, you know, two games with Portland. You got two games with Denver. You got to go to the Clippers. Um, no no way to say it. They got to win this game. And if they don't, it's going to be a very brutal road trip. And maybe they still a game or two, but I think it's imperative now that they send out a statement on Friday that, you know, they get this win, they show some toughness on the road, they get that road manager they have, and then we'll see what happens because this road trip is going to be really interesting. And then, oh, by the way, there's a chance maybe we see Jaron Jackson back on this road trip. Who knows? So a lot at stake, but the Grizzlies definitely need a win on Friday now that Zach Levine has unfortunately entered the league's health and safety protocols. I think it's probably a safe bet in terms of probability just because they spend a vast majority of the month on the road compared to at home it's more likely that he does make his debut uh, on this road trip. Uh, now it's also possible knowing this Grizzly front office that they just hold off until that Wednesday game on the 28th against Portland. Technically it's still in the month of April. So uh, I could see them doing something like that too, but I think you're onto something there, Evan, and maybe to bring it all back to the beginning of the show, maybe this is a gift and a silver lining in the dark cloud. Obviously we wish Zach Levine the best. We don't want him to have that illness. I mean, in terms of, you lose a tough game, a competitive game, to a good team in the Dallas Mavericks. Now you're hungry going into Chicago, and you're in a position mentally where you're more aggressive than perhaps if you had gone on national television, knocked off Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, and maybe you take Chicago for granted more. I think given the way that that game ended on Wednesday night, the Grizzlies aren't going to take anything for granted, and I think that's going to be a positive for them going into this Bulls game. That I agree with both of you. Um, and I have no expectations for this season. So I hesitate to say must win, but it's essentially a must win. If you do have expectations of them making the playoffs, like, like Parker said, and I think Evan, you did as well. They could easily go. zero and seven on this road trip. If they lose to Chicago in this first game, they have to win this very first contest coming up. Evan Barnes. Thank you so much, buddy of the commercial appeal at Evan underscore B as always. We appreciate you coming on with us here at GBB Live. And, of course, we'll have you back on down the road. Appreciate you guys, as always. Love y'all. Y'all do great work. Um, always glad to chop it up with you guys, even if on Twitter, sometimes I just look at y'all like, whoo, y'all got more patience than I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm going, I, I learned very quickly that apparently in the two months that I was not as involved, we turned on Justice Winslow. But that's, that's a topic for another podcast uh, down the road. For Parker Fleming, for Evan Barnes, I am Joe Molinax. Thank you guys so much for listening to all of our podcasts, taking in our content over at GBB. It's much appreciated. I am thankful to Parker, to Brandon, to everybody over at the blog who helped keep things afloat in my absence during my super weird but super wonderful football season these last couple of months that I was very happy to have with my kids uh, and my day job as a football coach. It was fantastic, but I'm back. Blogger Joe is back for better or worse, (laughs) grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.